Hey, it's Tuesday. The new episode of Two Degrees Hotter is out. It's my favorite Gen Z lifestyle and self-development podcast. I'm on my way over. Let's listen to the latest episode. Hello, lovely listeners. What is up? Welcome back to Two Degrees Hotter. It's me, one of your co-hosts, Anya here, and today I am doing a solo episode on how to stop procrastinating. If you're listening to this, you're probably struggling with procrastinating on something, whether it's an assignment for school or a project for work or, you know, all that life admin that kind of piles up. So we are going to be talking about tips and strategies on how to stop and just get the damn thing done. It's funny because I never really struggled with procrastinating throughout school, But recently, and I'll talk a little more about this when we get to the main episode topic, recently with work, I've been finding myself getting into some procrastinating habits. And so I was doing some research just for my own purposes to try to think about, you know, how to kind of nip this in the bud, which I learned it's nipped it in the bud, not in the butt. But anyway, to, you know, remedy some of the issues that I've been noticing. And I figured why not do an episode on it? Because I think we all can relate to just that one task that's you know, over our head and we really just can never bring ourselves to do. So hopefully some of these tips will help you. I also just wanted to say thanks for all the love on our last episode. It was kind of uh, a little intimidating to share online because we get like super candid, as I'm sure you know, if you listened to it. So uh, I know we got some feedback that you guys really enjoyed it and felt like you were hanging out with us, which was definitely the goal. So thanks so much for listening. And it's encouraging that you guys like those more casual types of episodes. So we'll definitely try to integrate more episodes like that and just kind of elements of that episode in our future ones. So definitely let us know what you guys are thinking about the podcast. If you're liking something in particular, if you're not liking something, because obviously we want to make the content that you guys want to listen to. So we would love to know what you're thinking. I'm sitting here on a Friday afternoon. I've got a little bit of time before my next work meeting. So I figured I would try to squeeze this in during my lunchtime. And I've got some Trader Joe's tea. I don't think I've ever made this a favorite, but I probably should mention it. It's the uh, mint watermelon black tea from Trader Joe's. And it's like a summer item. Um, I feel like it would be really good as an iced tea, but I don't really have the patience for that. So I just drink it as a hot tea, even on 90 degree days, which is what today is. It is super hot right now. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to thunderstorm later, which is sad because I have tickets to go to a Red Sox game. So hopefully that all, you know, works out. Maybe there'll be like a rain delay, but hopefully they don't cancel it. I don't really know how that works with sports, to be honest. Do they cancel if it's thunderstorming? Because that seems unsafe. I don't know. I'll let you guys know what happens. (laughs) But let's get into the segments. For my week in review, I figured I would touch on Harry's house. If you guys listened to the last episode, you know that we recorded that while we were getting ready to go to the concert. And so we went to one of Harry's residency shows at Madison Square Garden. We went on night two of his you know, tenure there and obviously had to give you guys an update on how amazing it was. It was everything I wanted and more. I will say our seats, I don't know if Kylie agrees with this. Actually, we haven't like debriefed on this part of it. Our seats weren't like amazing, but we kind of knew that going in. We were in, um, oh gosh, I'll have to double check with her. I think like section, I don't even want to say it because I'm not sure, like in the 300s, I'm pretty sure. Um, And so we were kind of like pretty far above the stage and the stage was like in the center. Um, But we still definitely could like see everything. It was just Harry was like a little bit of an ant, but that's totally fine. (laughs) Um, Our tickets were pretty cheap compared to what I think most people paid to be there. So 
definitely worth the worth the view that we got. It was nice to not be pit because obviously we could just kind of get there and take our seats when we wanted. It wasn't like stressful having to like wait in line and try to get a good spot or anything. So I think that is definitely the move. We had ourselves a nice $17 truly, which is absolutely criminal. But did we do it anyway? Yes, we did. And yeah, he was amazing. We were honestly, we were looking at him. We were like, I cannot believe he's actually this attractive in real life. Like he's real and he's actually right there. Um, and do you guys, if you're a Harry fan, you've probably seen the clips of him getting like wheeled out in the box. Do you think that's actually him? I need to know. I saw a really funny TikTok that was like the SpongeBob audio. That's like my friends in there. (laughs) I just, I keep dying, but yeah. Um, obviously it was super amazing. So glad we got to see him in concert. He did play medicine for us. So not saying we're like the most special, but he didn't play it for night one or since to my knowledge. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel really lucky that we got to go and see him. Um, it was super fun. We went to this place called Versa beforehand where there were a lot of Harry fans that seemed to book the same place just because it was like super close by. Um, but it was funny, like just the whole vibe of like Midtown the whole day, you could tell there was like Harry people everywhere. Like people were carrying around like the tote from his um, merch and like wearing boas. Like you saw like feathers all over the place and it was just like the vibes were right. You could tell who was also going and everyone was just like, super nice and in a good mood. So it was awesome. I also just wanted to add that after the concert, obviously we were trying to leave from Penn Station, which is connected to Madison Square Garden uh, to get back to our hotel. And it was only like two stops away, but our feet just hurt so much that there was no way we were possibly walking. And I have some beef with the MTA because let me tell you, if you haven't been to New York, it's like you'll walk onto the platform and it's usually pretty straightforward. I kind of pride myself in being like decently good with public transportation in every city that I've been to. It'll be like stand here, you know, for like A, A, C and D trains. But like underneath it'll have this text and it's like, accept PM trains during rush hour, like in a blue moon when there's a wolf to your right. Like just literal like riddles, like riddles of like when the train will not show up at the platform you expect it to. Maybe I'm being dramatic. I'm sure you get used to it if you live in New York, but I find this so confusing and Google Maps doesn't really understand or like tell you where to go necessarily. So it's like you're standing on this platform and we stood on this platform and had just missed a train. So the next one was like 12 minutes away. And we were kind of like, ugh, but like whatever. So we're standing there with like all these other people coming out of the concert. And it's like, okay, train arriving. We're like, cool, awesome. The train arrived on the platform that's like just beyond us. Like we can see the train, but we're on the wrong platform. And we were like, what the hell? Like we were so frustrated and tired and just wanted to get back. And we had to like walk all the way around. And like, it, it, we ended up getting home like over an hour after the concert ended just because of like the exit and like having to figure that out. And I was like, listen, like, yes, the Boston system, the MBTA definitely has its issues, but at least a train is going to show up where it says it's going to show up. Maybe it won't show up at all, but it's if, it, if it's going to show up, it's going to show up where you expect. That's, I, I can't trust the MTA, honestly. Like, I feel cheated. I feel wronged. And I just had to share. Another thing that I wanted to mention for the week in review is that we have dance auditions coming up. And yes, I said we. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that I've been in a dance company here in Boston for the last two seasons, I guess, basically like a year now. Um, And I've really been enjoying that, but Kylie hasn't been doing it because she had been in New Hampshire. So that would be quite a commute. 
Um, but I've convinced her to join me. So we have auditions when I'm recording this, we have auditions tomorrow for the next season. So hopefully we're able to get into some dances together um, and kind of relive the glory days. But I wanted to share that I am actually choreographing this season. So this is only for the uh, OGs, but you might remember back in January or maybe February of this year, I kind of uh, talked about rejection in one of my weekend reviews and I that that's what it was about. So I had auditioned to choreograph last season and I did not get it. Um, and I decided to try again this year and I did. So that's really exciting. Um, I'm really excited to kind of have that form of, you know, artistry back in my life and to be able to be creative in that way again. Um, it's funny because I actually auditioned with COVID, not in person, obviously, but the audition was planned for the Saturday, this Saturday in July. And I ended up waking up with COVID on that Thursday. And so I had to like kind of scramble to send in a video audition. And I just did one take in my backyard on like a 90 degree day. And you can literally hear me like heaving in the video afterwards because I was on like day three of having COVID. Um, And so I really wasn't expecting anything to be honest, but I was sitting in my hotel room in Amsterdam when I got the email that said like results and I was shocked. Like I could not believe it, but I feel so lucky and I'm really excited. So tomorrow, part of what I'm doing during the audition day is casting people to be part of my dance. So it'll kind of be interesting to see the other side of that process. We'll see if Kylie gets into my dance. She'll really have to blow me away. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so it's to Witchcraft by Frank Sinatra. If you guys are wondering, it's a jazz piece. Um, and kind of the vibe, if you're familiar with dance, is kind of like Fosse inspired, very like classic mid-century glam, you know, leotards, maybe some gloves. So that's the vibe. And I'm really excited. You might remember that one of my goals for 2021 was to choreograph and I felt really kind of discouraged when it didn't work out for me back in January, but that just goes to show that, you know, persistence and trying again and kind of like swallowing your pride um, and just putting in the work can definitely help you achieve the things that you want. So again, super grateful, super excited, and we'll keep you guys posted on how auditions went. I'm sure next week when I'm reunited with Kylie for the Week in Review, I'm interested to hear her perspective because it'll be the first time that she's going through it on her end but let's get into my favorite so my favorite for this week is a book and you guys have probably seen it on social media I feel like a lot of people are talking about it it's Jeanette um, McCurdy's memoir called I'm glad my mom died And I read most of this on the plane. I literally downloaded it at the airport and I read like 75% of it on my Kindle um, during my flight back to the States from Dublin. Um, I was just like so enthralled by her story. So if you don't know who she is, she was in the Nickelodeon series iCarly. She played Sam, who's kind of like the goofy sidekick character that you might remember. Um, And she just has like an incredible story. So she talks about, you know, her relationship with her mom and it was just super complex and the dynamics of like being a child star and kind of being forced into being a celebrity and an actress when that's never really anything that she wanted. Um, And it really heavily touches on her eating disorder, um, like throughout her entire life. And it also heavily touches on abuse and things like that. So if either of those are like triggering topics for you, proceed with caution. There's really no trigger warnings in the book itself. (laughs) So it's, it's basically a theme throughout the entire thing. So I don't know if I would advise you to read it if either of those are really triggering for you, but she's just such a good storyteller. And you can tell that like, 
she didn't have a ghostwriter for this because it's so like vulnerable and it just amazes me like with memoirs I'm like how do you remember like all of those conversations that you had when you were like 12 years old like the detail the level of detail is just crazy um she also spills a lot of tea on Nickelodeon as like an institution um she talks about the creator who is um let me look up his name I forget Oh yes, Dan Schneider. So I guess he's like the main producer there. Um, and so she talks about like her experience with him and how he was pretty terrible to a lot of the like child actors um, and how Nickelodeon offered to give her a payout to not publish this book. So the tea is very hot overall. Um, she talks about her relationship with Miranda Cosgrove, with Ariana Grande, and it was just really, really good. It was one of the fastest books that I've read in a while. I think I've mentioned that I really want to be a reader, but I find it hard to get into most books. But this book, I was like immediately sucked in and she's just, like I said, such a great storyteller. So definitely recommend. I'd also just recommend like supporting her because obviously she's been through a lot and she's kind of been out of the public eye recently um, while working on this. So I was really, you know, happy to give her my $12 or whatever it was on Kindle. Um, And yeah, highly recommend. All right, we are going to take a quick ad break here and then I will be back to give you my tips on procrastination. So, BRB. If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diasty in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. All right, we are back. Thank you guys for sticking around for today's main episode topic, which is how to stop procrastinating. So for a little bit of background, like I said, I think growing up, I was almost like an anti-procrastinator, which I'm realizing now is just having anxiety. (laughs) Um, I think I was just always super anxious about having deadlines and like assignments hanging over my head that I was almost the opposite of a procrastinator. I was almost like hyper productive and like hyper proactive about assignments that I would get. Like I would be starting things like week in adv- weeks in advance because I was so anxious about the fact that they would be coming along. That's why I was in school, like all throughout my high school career, most of my college career. I just never really struggled with procrastinating. But 
recently my job at work has shifted a lot. So my job is less kind of meetings and quick turn tasks that it used to be. And now I'm working on more kind of long-term projects, which have, you know, a lot of different stages and steps and like small parts that create more of a whole. And I feel like looking at these like huge projects that are assigned to just me, I kind of get like decision paralysis of not knowing where to start. And so it just makes me not want to start. And I just end up procrastinating and like working on emails or like Slack messages or things that are easy and like feel easy to check off when in reality, my time needs to be going towards these bigger projects that, you know, are truly like what I'm responsible for at this point. So I found that like a little concerning and just kind of different for myself. Like I, like I said, I haven't really ever struggled with procrastinating, but I was finding myself like actively looking for other things to do so that I didn't have to start these like big unwieldy projects. So done some research. And I think from what I've read about, I definitely have acute procrastination. So you can have acute procrastination or chronic procrastination. And I think figuring out which kind of bucket you fall into is basically the first step to solving this. So um, this really resonated with me. It's from, uh, I don't know if it's called speaka.com, but I'll have it linked down below. So basically, even if you are a super productive person, the majority of the time, acute procrastination can strike you, uh, you know, from time to time. There can be many different reasons for this, which really resonated with me, you know, low levels of energy, being in a like more irritated emotional state, not taking a break after completing a long demanding task. I think this is really what it comes down to. I think the last, you know, two years of me being in this role has kind of felt like sink or swim. And now that I'm out of that position and I do feel like I have a little more breathing room, I'm just kind of coming out of this long demanding time period and needing to navigate what the next, you know, role looks like for me. Um, Another reason is you think someone else should do the task. Maybe if it was like delegated, delegated to you by your manager, you think it should be on someone else's plate or people you don't like are involved in the project or in the work. Um, Or it's just a type of task you don't like or you find it boring. I think all of those are super valid. Um, And that's kind of how you can identify if you have an an acute procrastination issue. I think a chronic procrastination issue would maybe be more along the lines of like something you've experienced your whole life or, you know, plagues you in most things that you do. Whereas acute procrastination might be like one specific project or assignment that you're having trouble starting. Um, So I've done some research and I'm sharing these tips to remind myself and also you guys for work, for school, for life admin, anything that you think that you're kind of putting off. uh, We are going to talk through some ways to solve that. So the first thing that you should do is think about three key questions. So when you procrastinate, how you procrastinate, and why you procrastinate. The word procrastinate is already starting to sound like not a word to me, so that'll just become more of an issue during the uh, duration of this episode. But yeah, thinking about when you procrastinate. So ask yourself, like, in what situations do you tend to procrastinate? Do you tend to procrastinate more when you're working from home compared to when you're working from the office? Do you struggle to finish tasks after you've started them, or do you struggle to get started in the first place? I know for me, the challenge really is getting started in the first place. I think once I have, like, a game plan for something, I'm pretty good, but just knowing where to start is always the hardest part for me. And I find that with like many things, like I'm thinking about even with like books, like to me, the hardest part of wanting to read is just like getting through the first chapter when like, you don't know what's going on. But once you're like into the story, like I'm so into it. Same with like series and movies. Like I just find it so hard to like pick something and start. But once I've started it, 
you know, I'm into it, but this could be completely different for you. This could be like, you're totally good with picking out a game plan, but once you actually see what needs to get done, you get intimidated and you procrastinate. So think about this for yourself. Think about when you procrastinate, think about like the environments that you tend to procrastinate when you're in. And that's a good first step. Like I said, the next question is to think about how you procrastinate. So what do you do when you are trying to procrastinate? Do you tend to grab your phone and scroll through Instagram? Do you tend to browse social media or maybe play video games, watch TV shows, make plans with friends, find small and unimportant tasks to complete? I really felt like when I was researching that called me out very specifically because whenever I'm trying to procrastinate, especially when I'm working from home, I'm kind of like, oh, the dishwasher's done. Like, let me go unload it or like, I could really start a load of laundry right now. Like I pick things that are like productive in themselves, but don't need to be done in that very moment. And I think that's almost a way for people to like disguise being a procrastinator. Like you are procrastinating the tasks that you have to do, but you're still doing other productive tasks to feel like you're not procrastinating, if that makes sense. Um, So yeah, think about when you procrastinate and then think about how you procrastinate. What are you gravitating towards? What are the distractions that you're using to try to get away from whatever you need to get done? And then the last one is think about why you procrastinate. So ask yourself what's causing you to procrastinate. This is definitely the hardest part, but just kind of thinking through the root cause. So for example, do you constantly find yourself being distracted by emails, by other notifications, by your phone, or do you just genuinely feel so overwhelmed with this project that you don't know how to get started? In which case, maybe you want to make like a game plan with your manager. So yeah, this definitely takes the most reflection. And like I said, I think for me, I've realized that it's just having this shift from such like um, standard and like easy to check off tasks, like responding to this email, having this meeting with this person to more of a role where I have like long-term projects. I think I'm just kind of struggling a little bit with that transition, but your story could be completely different. Maybe, uh, you know, you just can't really have your phone near you when you work, or maybe you don't have enough time in the day. You know, these are all things that are important to think about and will help you kind of make a game plan for tackling your acute procrastination problem. So now that we've thought about when we procrastinate, how we procrastinate, and why we procrastinate, the first kind of step, at least for me, that's been helping is prioritizing the top things that actually need to get done. Like I said, I think kind of a masking method that I've found myself doing is finding other things that on paper are like productive to do, like should get done at some point, but don't necessarily need to be done in this moment. (laughs) Um, So I've kind of been working on a strategy where I pick like a top three for the day in each category of life. So for me personally, I have like a work category, a podcast and like dance category. So kind of like my other responsibilities and then a personal category. And I'm literally looking at that exact list that I wrote out for myself today. Um, And so I have, you know, under my work category, I have like, you know, four things today. For my podcast category and dance category, I have three things. And then for personal, I have, you know, another three things, including like calling my grandpa because it's his birthday, um, going to the Red Sox. So um, yeah, work on picking like a discrete list of just a few things that need to get done, because that's also something that I struggle with is like listing just so many varying things that of course you'll never be able to finish them all in one day. And then you feel like shit about yourself at the end of the day. And you feel like you, you know, aren't productive and you're lazy, but it's like in reality, you just gave yourself way too much to do. And of course you're procrastinating the hardest things. Um, So yeah, try to identify what are the top things that actually need to get done today and do that at the top of the morning every day or, you know, the night before, whatever works best for you. But I think that really helps. 
And if you're having trouble deciding, um, there are some strategies that kind of help you decide what needs to get done sooner than later. So one example is an Eisenhower box. I found this on uh, Notion. It's like a Notion template, but basically it's kind of like this little quadrant situation that has like on one axis things that need to be done immediately and things that can be done later. And then on the other axis, things that can be delegated to someone else um, or things that aren't important and can be you know eliminated. So this uh, strategy is helpful because it can work with the tasks that you have to complete on a given day, but also things that have longer time scales, like, you know, weeks or months. So look that up if you're having trouble deciding. But yeah, I think the first step is just to decide, like, what is the game plan for today? What do I absolutely need to tackle today? And what can wait? Another tip is to set a timer and just get started. I know this is like the least helpful (laughs) procrastination tip, but genuinely, like I know for myself, just starting is the worst part. And you'll be shocked at how quickly things actually happen when you're like in the zone, in the flow and actually going for it. I think this is especially true with like household tasks. I find like I'll be so dreading like folding that, you know, batch of laundry that just came out. But you put on a timer, you put on like a short podcast or whatever it is, and you just fold it and then things just, you know, go by and you can check them off your list. Um, This is especially true with like small tasks. Like I try to think about, you know, if I can do it in less than 10 minutes and it's bothering me, like just get up and do it right now. Um, I really like Stuff You Should Know, which is like a very OG podcast. Um, And they have these episodes called Short Stuff that, you know, tend to be between like eight and 12 minutes long. And I really like just putting on one episode of that and saying like, you know, the living room is really messy right now. I really would love to tidy it. I'm just going to put on this one episode that's 12 minutes long and just tidy as much as I can in those 12 minutes. And normally I find by the time like 10 minutes go by, I've pretty much done all the stuff that I wanted to do. And I feel, you know, this weight off of me. So just start, find something that helps motivate you, whether it's music whether it's setting a timer, just knowing that you only have to do this task for like a limited amount of time and just getting as much done as you can in that time. Another tip that I saw that I really liked was to manage your energy, not just your time. So we all hear about time management and like how important of a skill that is, but there's also the side of energy management. And I feel like that's arguably way more important. So think about, you know, taking regular breaks, figuring out your peak performance time of day, For me, this usually means tackling my big tasks in the morning while I still have a lot of energy. I find that if I kind of, you know, procrastinate what I need to do in the day till after lunch, um, it kind of burns me out and I don't have the same motivation to get it done. So for me, a big thing that I had to learn in my job is I get a lot of emails like overnight, I guess I would say, because I work with a lot of external people that don't function on like the same hours that I do. So a big problem for me earlier on in this job was that I would log in in the morning, see that I had like 20 emails that I needed to get back to. And I would spend all morning doing that. And then when I would actually have time to get things done later, I was like completely burnt out, had no energy. So something that I've been trying to do is like not check my emails until like 11 or 12 every day so that I feel like I can at least kind of check off some of the things that I was hoping to get done and then, you know, get back to people. And the emails aren't the thing that takes the most like brain power and energy for the most part. So it's better to reserve that to go into the larger tasks. Now that's just me. That could be totally different for you. Maybe you need to like ease into the workday by answering emails, by checking off a couple of things right away. Everyone's different. So just think about, you know, what your peak performance time of day is. Heck, maybe it's even like 10 PM, you know, like I think that some people are definitely night owls and maybe that you have that flexibility with your job to maybe 
tackle some like individual projects later at night. So think about what that is for yourself and try to like make that work in your Google calendar, in your schedule. Maybe it's a focus block. Maybe it's rescheduling meetings for the afternoon or the morning, whatever it is for you. There are ways to kind of like take control and optimize it from an energy perspective. So that's important to think about as well. Something that really helps me and has helped me throughout like my entire academic and professional career is breaking out a big task into smaller chunks and kind of distributing them across your calendar, across your agenda, whatever it is. So if a task feels really big, it can be much more approachable to like chip at it gradually rather than just like looking at this looming ginormous project. So that's something that I'm really working on right now. Um, Instead of thinking, you know, I have to finish this project before 10 p.m. tonight, tell yourself, okay, I'm going to make a short, you know, outline of what needs to get done and fill that in and start looking for the data, but I'm not going to expect myself to like finish it tonight. Um, Another thing that helps me is trying to avoid making like a long disorganized to-do list because I find that that kind of just sets myself up for failure. So like I said, kind of bucketing it into two different, two or three different categories, you know, mine are work, podcast, dance, and personal. Yours might be homework, family, fun, and just try to cross off a few entries from each list every day uh, and minimize the number of decisions that you have to make. That's kind of goes back to what I was suggesting with making that list early on. Make that list first thing and then you have all day to kind of chip away at it. Don't try to decide in the afternoon what you're going to work on unless that works for you. I mean, I know for some people it's like very intuitive what they want to get done um, once they you know, have been through their day. But for me, I just know that doesn't work and I'll just get decision fatigue and I'll end up doing nothing. So um, yeah, try to kind of take a task, cut it up into smaller pieces and distribute it when you have the time to do that. Um, I know sometimes obviously deadlines come up and you have to kind of grind and finish something at once, but don't put that pressure on yourself if you don't have to, because that's what kind of leads to this anxiety and this procrastination in the end. Another thing that might seem obvious is to pick out an environment that works for you. Try to separate yourself from your phone, other distractions, the TV, like maybe try not to work on the couch if you have like a big project that you're working on. Um, Try to get in the flow. So that's kind of the state that I'm trying to achieve more often is just like being in the flow. I think we all can relate to being super in the flow with whatever task you're doing. And you're like in your head, you're like, wow, I'm getting so much done. I'm so relieved. Like, I want that feeling more often. So whatever I can do to really curate that feeling is what I'm working on now. So, you know, sitting at my desk, having a comfortable setup, having the drink that I know I'm going to want to sip on, having maybe some music going. I personally find that having um, music without words really helps uh, with my productivity. So I like the Jazz Vibes playlist. I like the Lo-Fi Beats playlist on Spotify. Whatever works for you. I know some people can listen to podcasts or um, regular music or, you know, even like white noise, brown noise. But just try to figure out what gets you into that flow state. Like next time you feel like you're really in that state of flow, take an observation of like what is working and try to replicate that more often because that's really what we're trying to achieve. That's what makes getting things done so much easier. Um, And I would just love if I could get that to that place like every day. That would just be amazing. (laughs) Another tip that I saw when I was researching is to use nudges. So nudges are small modifications you can make to your environment in order to get yourself to get your work done in a timely manner. So for example, if your goal is to get good grades because you want to get into a good grad program, you could put a small sticker with you know the logo of your dream program on your laptop facing you. So that'll give you a little motivational boost when you need to start working. So I think when people don't feel motivated, a lot of times it's because they don't have like an end result in mind. Like if you just feel like you're kind of 
mindlessly working on this project because you were told to, but you don't really see how it like contributes to, you know, a greater good or like helps you develop professionally or whatever it might be. So I think thinking more broadly of like, how does this one task relate to my goals? You know, maybe it's like, if I do this one task, I know that I'll be up for a promotion later this year. I can have that conversation or I can make more money or I can put it on my resume when I want to look for another job. Like just thinking more broadly about like, what is the impact of what I'm working on? Even if I don't particularly like what I'm working on, And how can I incorporate that end goal into like my visual setting so that when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling unmotivated, when I can feel myself reaching for my phone to scroll on TikTok instead of getting things done, I see that little nudge. I see that signal and I say, okay, no, I actually need to stay focused on this. The next tip is to use technology to your advantage. It do be 2022 people. We have lots of ways to keep ourselves from getting distracted Um, I used to use this app. I think it's called Forest. I'll put it in the description if that's correct. Um, And it was basically this app that um, had you like plant a tree and it was like you could set how long it would take for a tree to plant. And you, I think the default was like an hour or something like that. And if you opened your phone before the hour, the tree would die and like you wouldn't have it in your forest. You would just have like this dead tree. (laughs) Um, And the whole point is that like the more focus time you accomplish, the more trees in your forest and you can unlock like different types of trees and um, you know, bigger trees and you could share your forest with like your friends. So it was like this, just a small little app, but it was like pretty motivating for me because I didn't want to like kill the tree. Um, So that kept me off my phone, which is definitely my biggest distraction. I think um, is my phone. Um, Another thing that I did, especially when I was trying to write my capstone in college, was to use uh, self-control on Mac. I don't have that set up currently, so I don't exactly remember how you do it. But if you just look up Mac self-control, I think it basically just helps you block uh, specific websites. So I remember I kind of had like all social media blocked and then I had all of my like classic distraction sites blocked, like different, you know, clothing sites that I would often go to to shop and things like that. And you can like turn it on or off based on the time frame um, so that if I found myself like trying to... If I'm sitting in the library and only have four hours to get this done and I'm on hour three and I'm trying to like go to some other website or something like that, it wouldn't, it literally wouldn't let me. It would be like page not found. So it's a pretty extreme example, but hey, you got to do what you got to do to get it done. The next tip is to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. This is something that I've been working on in a lot of areas of my life. This is feedback I've gotten at work. Um, and for a while I was basically like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't understand what that saying even means. So I've recently learned and I'm going to spell it out for you guys. Basically, if you're working towards perfection and you find it so crippling to make everything as perfect as possible, you might get to that end point and realize you were going in like the wrong direction the whole time. So it's more important to make progress and aim for progress instead of perfection because maybe you'll get feedback along the way that'll change the direction that you're going in or whatever it is. So just make your goal progress. Don't make your goal perfection, I guess is in summary what it means. Um, and you know, let, let things get to like 80% of the way there and get feedback from your manager, get feedback from like peer editors. Don't feel like it has to be like at a hundred percent before you share it with anyone because that just, you know, exhausts you number one, and it doesn't create room for a lot of like helpful feedback. So this is something that I'm working on, like I said, and I think it relates a lot to productivity in general, because it's exhausting to try to make things perfect. It's less less exhausting to try to make things acceptable. <laughs> um, and I think that's, you know, a concept that a lot of us are, are thinking about, like, I don't want to excel at what I'm doing. I just want to do what I'm doing and have energy and time to save for 
other things that I care about in life. So I think that kind of applies here as well. The last tip is to pick out a reward for when you're done. So whether it's like a small thing, you know, once I once I send this email, I'm going to go get a ginger ale from the kitchen. Like that's one example. Or once I finish this, you know, capstone essay, I'm going to buy myself the purse I've been wanting. Like I think there's a big spectrum of examples here, but I personally find that rewards are very motivating for me. Um, and unfortunately, they're just they're just a way to bait myself to get things done. So if that's what works for you, definitely take advantage of it. It can help you stop procrastinating because maybe you want to book that massage. That's you know the end result of getting this done. So you're a little more motivated. And um, yeah, we love we love an incentive on the Two Degrees Hotter podcast. So that's pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about this week. I know this was a shorter episode, but hopefully you guys were able to take something away from it. This gave you that little extra push of motivation to get it done um, and let me know what other topics you want to hear from us. You can DM us on Instagram, submit comments to our anonymous suggestion box. You can always DM either of us personally as well. And we will be back next week with another episode with my co-host. And we'll also be back to give you guys some updates on how auditions went and everything like that. So stay tuned. And I hope you guys have an awesome week. I can't believe we're getting to the end of summer. It's so sad. So take advantage of these last dog days and we will chat with you guys next week. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.